Welcome back to Financial Therapy. It's not just about the money. I'm personal financial planner, columnist, and financial therapist, Rick Kaler. Research tells us that 90% of all financial decisions are made emotionally, not logically. For nearly four decades, I've been helping people make better money decisions. So what makes my financial worldview different from most financial experts? I blend the nuts and bolts of financial advice with the emotions that drive making them. Good money decisions are not just about the money. So let's get started with today's episode. Welcome back to another episode. We're continuing our discussion of problematic money behaviors and money disorders. And one of those is financial denial. And when I first looked at doing the podcast on this, I thought, yeah, <laughs> there may not be much to say about this. You know, denial is avoidance. Denial is, if you think about uh, steps of, of change, and Petraska's changing for good, the very first stage of change is no change at all called pre-contemplation. So that's, that's not even knowing really that there is a problem. Uh, the second phase is contemplation where you're going, well, Maybe there's a problem. I'm not sure, but I'm willing to consider it. So for the most part, when we talk about denial or avoidance, we're, we're talking about pre-contemplation. That's a tough, tough stage, right? It's really hard to make a change when a person isn't even aware of what they're not aware of. But this is really popular. The coping strategy with avoidance or denial is just simply not to deal with it. So rather than acknowledging the impact of all of the uh, poor money decisions, the the, uh, presenting circumstances, just what's going on in reality, this particular person will ignore them. And there was a survey done, we reported this in uh, Facilitating Financial Health, of uh, 1,001 adults. And they found that 36% of them admitted they avoided thinking about financial difficulties. So that's, that's pretty substantial. And I do run into this pretty frequently, yeah, with both financial planning clients and financial therapy clients. Uh, Sometimes somebody may come to me for financial therapy with a specific identified problem, and as I do an intake of their financial situation, there'll be something that I spot that seems like a much greater problem than what they've identified that they want to work on. And um, it's, it's kind of similar to going to a doc and saying, you know, I've got pain in my neck or I think I got something over here that's wrong and maybe they do a chest x-ray 
and they find a mass in your lungs, which has nothing to do with the problem that you came in for. So, so this is a, it's a big deal. Now, you might, having, if you've listened to this podcast for a while, we've gone through the various money script categories. And you may remember that the number one money script category is money avoidance, which sounds very similar to financial denial. And we know that those with money avoidant money scripts typically resist budgeting, investing, they resist the management of their finances, they resist even learning about money. It's kind of like further that they can get away from making a financial decision, the better. Their money scripts are often based on the belief that wealth is evil, money is bad, the rich are bad, that money is anxiety-provoking. Some will believe that they don't deserve money, and some are convinced that the world would be a better place if money was never invented. So I think we can see why a money-avoidant money script, or a person that's money-avoidant, would very possibly fall into financial denial. Probably most other money script categories, with the exception of money worship. Uh, Money worship, we find, also often fall into financial denial. And if you remember, money worship money scripts will formulate or congregate around the beliefs that things would get better if I had more money, more money would make me happier, Uh, Money would solve all my problems. And so both of these money script categories have been found to be a predictor of financial denial behaviors. It may come to no surprise then to you that the money vigilant money scripts, uh, those that hold those that uh, debt is bad, They're continually vigilant on the outlook, hypersensitive about what's happening with their money, are negatively associated with financial denial behaviors. Uh, And that just makes good sense, right? So that said, that's the money category types that often show up in financial denial. Now, there's something else that I I wanted to bring out that occurred to me, and this is something I've never talked about on the podcast, and that is something called the Enneagram. Uh, You can learn more about this at uh, the EnneagramInstitute.com, and there's other sites, but that's the one that I'm most familiar with, and did a lot of training on the Enneagram. Basically, the Enneagram most of us will have a dominant uh, personality of one of nine different types. But it goes far deeper than that because most all of us have the 
some energy of all of those nine types in us. And it's not just a stereotyping uh, personality tool at, at its very most shallow. It's that. But it goes much deeper into being a personal development tool. I have found it has really informed my work in internal family systems. So maybe I'll do a, a podcast on that someday. But what I want to bring out is that financial denial will typically be found with the type nine. Now I'm not just I'm not saying if a person is an Enneagram type nine, that means they're in financial denial. But that personality fits financial denial. Why? But type nines will demonstrate this uh, kind of universal temptation to ignore the disturbing aspects of life and seek some degree of peace and comfort by numbing out. I think that's a pretty good <laughs> description of denial. So they'll respond to pain and suffering by attempting to live in a state of, say, a fantasy state, a fantasy state or a state of premature peacefulness or a state of um, false spiritual attainment, okay? Which could, so, some will say, would be spiritual bypass. Uh, so it, it, it's, it's denying the, the reality and creating another reality, which in a way super, what I want to say, trans, transcends reality and kind of lulls the person into sleep as to what's going on. At its heart, it's gross denial. So this is true of type nines. More than any other type, they demonstrate a tendency to run away from paradoxes and tensions of life and transcending them, seeking to find more simple and painless solutions to their problems. So that's how the, 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 the type 9 shows up. And I think we can see that they are just um, a dead ringer then for financial denial. Uh, the, the other types don't quite have um, this huge propensity to financial denial. Not to say the other types aren't involved in financial denial. They certainly can be. But not having their peace of mind shaken is really, really important. And so they will deny anything that could be on the dark side, on the, the side that threatens their happiness. So there's, there's definite reasons for this. And I think I, I'll get into those in a, in a minute. Our research into financial denial uh, also finds that a person that is young, person that is single, women, uh, lower levels of education, lower income, lower net worth, 
and revolving credit card debt seem to also have a higher uh, correlation with financial denial. And as we've talked about that these uh, problematic financial behaviors, we often just don't have one. We can have several. And financial denial has also been found to be really closely linked to compulsive buying behavior, gambling, hoarding, workaholism, uh, financial dependence, and financial enabling. So oftentimes these uh, behaviors just are not one-offs. And I mean, obviously, with all of the, these other behaviors that I just named, financial denial can help the client really cope with all of those disordered behaviors, right? Just by helping them to avoid reality. So it's a big one. I mean, oftentimes, if we can solve financial denial, we have a chance of addressing the disorders that financial denial can protect. There are certain professions that appear to be more vulnerable to financial denial than others. For example, when you compare educators, business professionals, and mental health professionals to financial advisors, financial advisors have been found to be significantly less likely to engage in financial denial behaviors, while the educators, business professionals, and mental health professionals seem to be more likely. Now, that makes uh, some sense when we consider the fact that mental health professionals are amongst a profession that really falls into money avoidance groups. Educators can just be so focused in what they're doing, their particular love, that perhaps money is just not part of their world. Now, I don't know that sound may, may be a little bit uh, lame, but for whatever reason, and I've noticed this, that educators tend to be more in, in denial about finances. And the, probably the most surprising one is business professionals. How is that possible that they would be money avoidant? Well, I am, let's not confuse being financially successful with being money vigilant. I can think of a client who was extremely successful in business, built a $10 million business, but he absolutely avoided and did not want to address the money side of it. The, the business side of it as far as the creating and the marketing and the execution of running the business, he was brilliant at. But when it came to the money, it's like, get me out of here as fast as I can. 
Uh, he did not enjoy talks about money, talks about the dollars and cents, did not at all want to be involved with budgeting or any of the financial necessities of running the business. If a business person is uh, the only person in the business, that could be highly problematic. In this business owner's case, he was able to hire people and put them on staff that did take care of all of the financial issues of the business. Quite frankly, I think that's the only way a business can survive when the owner is in financial denial. So um, that's important to, to keep in mind. If you are financially avoidant or in financial denial, <laughs> and you're, you're aware of it, which is almost um, oxymoron, you can compensate for that by making sure there's people in your life that will pay attention to, to the money. So how do you know if you are uh, in financial denial? Well, I think the first thing to ask yourself is do you avoid thinking about money? And maybe deeper, why? When we look at this with an IFS lens, we know that every behavior of any part of us has a good intention. So the, the issue is not to try and get rid of the parts of us that want to avoid thinking about money. Or a, a second indicator would be trying to forget about a financial situation. We don't want to get rid of those parts of us. We don't want to shame those parts of us, which is real, real normal. Like if I could just get rid of this, if I could just stop that, um, that defective part of myself, I would be okay. We need to go a bit deeper and I ask ourselves why. What's, what's going on with that behavior? When did that behavior form? Uh, what's our earliest memory around when we started avoiding to think about money? And if we can get into a place to really, really listen to these stories and really be sensitive, we will typically find that they happened are formed around something that typically happened in childhood. Because that we know that that's when most of our money scripts are, are founded. And financial denial is simply the behavior, right, of uh, a lot of those money avoidant money scripts. So what happened? What happened that was so traumatic, so painful, that we we formed uh, pr uh, protective parts of us to keep that from ever happening again. So underlying this avoidance are some really vulnerable parts of ourselves that 
have been exiled, that our money avoidant managers are making sure that this isn't going to happen because we don't want the pain that's going to come if we do think about, about money. And the pain can be shame, it can be guilt, it can be fear, it can be any difficult emotion. So these protective parts of us really manage situations like when a, a hard thought about money pops up, we avoid that or we avoid even doing things where those vulnerable parts might be activated. Another one is uh, do you avoid opening or looking at financial statements? Maybe, you know, avoid looking at bills. Avoid looking at investments. It can just be a huge list. So pay attention to that. Another thing is uh, forgetting. Just forgetting about financial situations. Forgetting to pay the bills or, or forgetting numbing out. Remember, the type 9 is given to numbing out. Well, what's numbing out in an IFS lens? Numbing out in an IFS lens, again, is a protective part of us that dissociates us, takes us out. Sometimes these are called firefighters. Uh, that when the, the managers fail and a, um, an exile is activated, again, a very vulnerable part of us, it carries a lot of difficult emotion, the, uh, the firefighter will take us out by dissociating. Could take us out by uh, drinking or any type of uh, addiction uh, could absolutely take us out of that painful situation with the intention of soothing us, right? So these parts of us, they have the good intention. Those managers, the firefighters that are protecting us from the painful emotions that are associated with thinking about a difficult financial situation, thinking about money, looking at financial statements are simply trying to, to help us keep the peace and help us not um, have to feel the difficult emotions around that. Now, that probably worked pretty good when we were originally wounded with these things as, as kids. The financial situation, maybe watching mom and dad in difficult financial times that would just say, we're not, we're not going to think about this. What, whatever it could be and the, and the things that would cause this type of reaction are so unlimited. You know, there, there's just no one thing. That, that would necessarily cause this situation. But the typical denominator is that we were young and we didn't know how to deal with this situation. We didn't have any maturity to deal with the situation. We didn't have a parent that was sensitive to understanding what could be going on with us that might explain what was happening or comfort us. Uh, when this was happening. So these develop and run our lives 
until you listen to a podcast like this or for some reason have a uh, some type of intervention that would suggest maybe this is what I'm doing. So that's why I said it's really important to take a look at these behaviors of financial denial because oftentimes underneath the denial are other problematic behaviors that um, the denial is keeping hidden from us. So I hope that this has been uh, helpful to you. I've had my own struggles with financial denial. I think it was in the early 80s when um, living in Rapid City, we have an Air Force base here, Ellsworth Air Force Base, and the B-52s were leaving and the B-1s were arriving. But the problem is the B-1s were delayed by two years. The B-52s left, the B-1s were delayed. And it was a terrible time in Rapid City to own real estate. Uh, vacancy rates of 25% were normal. And so I just had to struggle just to keep up with my payments uh, on my real estate. And it was traumatizing. So much so that I learned not to look at my financial statements because I would uh, just be paralyzed. Part of me would just, financial denial would take me out. So, uh, or, or the pain would come so great that I would, I would need to numb out. So I learned not to look at statements. <laughs> I didn't look at statements for 20 years. And I, I remember one day I decided to look at the, my, my real estate statements, and I was just shocked and amazed to see that I had positive cash flow from my rentals. So much so that I probably, if I wanted to, could, could modestly retire. So, and I'm, a, I'm an Enneagram type 1 with a 9 wing, so it's that, uh, that means I'm right next to a 9, so I have some 9 influences. So, it's, um, it's something that really can, can happen to almost anybody. And I should add, I'm a money vigilant, right? So money vigilants are least likely to be in financial denial, but that doesn't mean that it can't uh, serve its purpose in our life to keep us from uh, feeling difficult emotions. Okay, I hope this has been helpful to you, and I will look forward to being with you again next time as we continue to take a look at these money behaviors that decrease financial well-being. Take care. Thanks for joining me, Rick Kaler, for another episode of Financial Therapy. It's not just about the money. This is where I combine the nuts and bolts of financial advice with the emotions that drive making them. Remember, every financial behavior, whether it appears illogical to you or others, makes perfect sense when we understand the underlying beliefs, feelings, and thoughts. Sign up for my weekly blog at financialawakenings.com. I hope you'll join me again for our next episode.